themselves, center us on you. Um, I just pray that you would um, use these songs to focus our attention on you and um, just thank you for this chance to be together as a body to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.
you can turn to each other and greet each other. Tell someone you're glad that they are here. Well, good morning. So nice to see everybody this morning, all you nice, smiling faces. Um, I want to go ahead and welcome everybody this morning to the JAR. My name is Scotty. If you have any questions or have any um, issues finding anything or just need um, somebody to talk to or anything, you can talk to myself or any of the greeters, and we will get you where you need to be. Um, I'm going to go over a few things this, with you this morning. The first thing is, we have this little nifty card. It's called the Connect Card. This is a way for us to get connected with you. Um, if you have been here for a while, or if this is your first time, or if you're just visiting, go ahead and fill this out. Like I said, this is our way to get connected with you, um, to make sure everything is correct in our system and that type of thing. Um, if you haven't been here um, and you haven't had a chance to check out our guest connections table, we do encourage you to do that. And um, we also have a free little gift for you, too. On the back, there is a spot for um, prayer requests. And please know that these are held in complete confidence and lifted up weekly by our prayer team. So if you have any concerns, anything that's really weighing on your heart, or maybe even just a praise that you want to give praise to God, go ahead and put that on there. And then keep a hold of this card. And when, um, when we have the offering go around, just stick this little card in there, okay? First thing that I want to go ahead and go over with you, I guess is the only thing, um, but we want to go ahead and touch on the baptism class. If you have considered making Christ the center of your life and you want to make this like a public state of faith, you want to go ahead and check out the baptism class that is on October. Listen to me. I'm trying to speed up time. Football season. Anyway, um, August 11th and the 18th from 1230 or 1230 to 130. And um, this is for anybody, like I said, that is really wanting to go ahead and say, you know what, I'm ready. I'm all in. I'm going to go ahead and um, make Christ the center of my life and, and make this a public statement. Um, if you are interested in that, you can go ahead. You can sign up at the resource table, but you can also make it a little bit easier. And just go ahead and check this little blue box top corner of your connect card and then someone will contact you with more information on that um, and also the baptism is actually at Prairie Creek Reservoir on August 25th and this is a huge celebration we all come out and um, we watch everybody just celebrate um, a new beginning and um, we eat food and fellowship and it's just a really great time for everybody to be involved in that. So if this sounds like something you would like to do, go ahead and sign up and um, like I said, somebody will contact you with more information on that. At this time, I'm going to go ahead and call the greeters forward. We will be taking um, an offering and this is for people that has called the JAR um, their church home and has 
um, committed to learning how to tithe and just give back to God because he is just, he's such an amazing God, and he's just blessed us so much. Um, he just wants to, you know, continue blessing us. Um, but if you do not call the jar your home or you're just visiting and, you know, you're just checking this place out, Go ahead and leave your purses on the floor and your wallets in your back pocket. Um, we're not concerned about your money. We just want to get to know who you are. I can go ahead and have everybody bow their heads and pray with me. Oh, dear gracious God, thank you so much for this amazing weather that you have blessed us with. Thank you so much for your presence on a daily basis, Lord. I just ask that you come into this place and you allow us to feel you and, and know that you're around, Lord. And I ask that you take... Um, this money that is going in to this bag and you just help us discern how to use it and um, just to love on our community and um, help everybody to get to know who you are, Lord, with no strings attached. And um, Lord, I just bless you. I just thank you for blessing us and um, allowing us to come together. And Lord, I, I ask that you are with Chuck this morning as he gives... Um, an awesome message, and just allow us to fill you and, and leave here completely changed from how we came in. In your name we pray. Amen. Hello there. Don't you just love the music you hear at the jar? You can't get enough of it, can you? Well then, this new worship CD from Derek Young is just for you. Hear all new remakes of songs like It's All About Me. Derek reigns in this place. Thank you, Derek. How he loves. Derek, that is. The heart of Derek. Derek lifted me up. I am a friend of Derek. I will follow. Derek. Derek is strong enough. Other songs on the CD include $10,000. For all my goodness you should keep on singing. $10,000 Greater. My beard is greater, my beard is stronger, I'll grow my beard a little longer, my beard is better, awesome and power, my beard, my beard. How great is this song? How great is this song? When I sing it, how great.
worked hard on that. If you brought your Bible today, and we have been encouraging you to do so, would you please turn to James chapter 4. And while you are turning there, or pulling it up on the phone, I would like to extend my congratulations to all of you. I mean, this was an incredible honor that was bestowed upon you, and it's muchly deserved. I'm really excited about it. I mean, I can't imagine how you felt when you got the news. So again, congratulations on being selected as Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Look at that. That's you. That's exciting. It was seven years ago, but it's still exciting to this day. I mean, in a world of YouTube, in a world of iTunes, Self Magazine, I mean, why shouldn't you be Time Magazine's Person of the Year? I mean, you live in an amazing time of technology where te this technology allows you to write your thoughts and your opinions on your blog while sitting in your underwear on your lazy boy in your house on your computer. And whether or not you know anything about what you're commenting on, it is just as accessible as somebody from the New York Times. I mean, it's now possible to listen to your favorite music while you're watching your favorite TV shows, TiVoing, of course, so you don't have to, heaven forbid, you have to see commercials. At the same time, taking these little pictures where you curl your lips up and, and you post them on Instagram... At the same time that you're updating your Facebook for people all across the world to see. I mean, honestly, it's good to be you. And the truth is, everyone should know what you had for dinner. I mean, everyone should know why you broke up with your boyfriend. This is important stuff because this is about you. Now, the negative to all this technology, though, is that with Everything being about you, we can easily become self-centered. We could easily become arrogant. You know, human beings have battled this. They've battled self-centeredness since Adam and Eve. So this is nothing new. Adam and Eve wanted to be like God in the Garden of Eden. Remember, it's in Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible. And in the world that we live, it is easy to be arrogant. It's easy to be prideful. Because everything seems to be for you, or everything seems to be about you. And this is what James is writing about in James chapter 4. And we are going to break this down today. I'm going to be hitting verse by verse on this. He is addressing the problems that come with this whole way of thinking that I just said. And this is why the words you or your appear 19 times in just four verses. Because he's speaking to us. Verse 1 begins by asking, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? I want to highlight that phrase, desires. That battle within. James is saying, I know why you're fighting. 
He's saying, I know why you're bickering. There is a battle that is going on inside you. This is a battle that is going on inside of your soul. And this battle controls the way we speak. It controls the way we treat certain people. It controls our action. It controls where our attention lies. So what is our battle within? It's our desire to have. That's your first fill-in. It's our desire to have. Desire to have. And this battle within, this desire to have starts early in life. I mean, you take, for example, a brand new baby. I mean, a brand new, cute little bundle of joy. We're going to call that baby Annabelle. Now, Annabelle has desires that battle within. And sometimes she would let them desires be known at maybe like two in the morning. She would feel maybe a little tinge of hunger, a little hunger pain. And at that point, do you think this precious little treasure would think, you know, it's 2 a.m. Everyone has to be really tired right now. This would probably be a bad time to inconvenience anyone. I think I'll just lie here and just coo softly until the alarm clock goes off. And then maybe remind somebody that I need a little shot of milk. No. She would scream. I mean, she would scream bloody murder. She didn't care who in the house. She didn't care in the, who in the city heard. She wanted milk, and she wanted it right now. And we are born with this whole desire that battles within, this whole I want, I need Desire, And James is saying that we exercise no more control over our impulses and our desires than what a newborn baby does. And in, and in all that, the desires, it's the relational messes we get in, the financial messes that we get in, the legal messes, the moral messes, the marriage messes, all comes from those desires that battle within, where we put ourselves at the center of the universe. We make everything about us, and then it gets us into a lot of trouble. It's explained perfectly in James chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. So let's highlight envy and selfish ambition. We want that nicer home. We want that nice car that the neighbors just got. We want that vacation home or that timeshare that our friends have. We want those $100 shoes for our kids that so-and-so just bought theirs. And that is what James is talking about here. That's the envy. That's the selfish ambition. And James is saying when you have this, you will have what? Disorder. I mean, think of the disorder in our lives when we're drowning in debt because of our desire to have. 
Think of the disorder in our families when we're chasing our desires and we're trying to attain more and more and more. I mean, just the stress of all this is just trying to keep up. And James is saying that our houses are not in order. Our lives are not in order when we are envious, when we are me-centered. Verse 2 says, you desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. So if we go back to James 3, verse 16, that's where the evil practice comes in. So not only does our lives get in disarray, our lives get in disorder, but we can start to do evil things to get what we want. The prison systems are full of people that have killed to get what they wanted, to get what they desired from somebody. And you're thinking, well, I've never, I've never killed anybody to get what I want. I mean, I've never taken a knife to somebody's throat to get my way. So this probably doesn't apply to me. But have you ever stabbed someone in the back with your words, maybe to get what you want? Or maybe taken credit for what someone else has did just to make you look a little bit better? Maybe you've pitched just enough of a fit before to be able to get what you wanted. Or have you ever been dishonest when you knew that it was going to save you a little bit of money? I'm going to admit something here, and I hope it doesn't reflect too poorly on me. Because I'm sure that no one else in here has ever done this before. But there may have been a time or two, maybe, when I've taken my kids to the movies and I've already knocked back 40 bucks to get in and to watch a 3D movie. I might have went to Dollar General before I went to the movies and bought milk duds, gummy worms, sugar babies. And then I may have stuffed them in my cargo shorts so they could all fit in and then kind of walked real slow through there so nobody could hear him moving. Just so it would save me $20 from buying all that stuff at the movie theater. I'm sure no one else has ever done this before. Right? And this example may seem harmless. But it shows that we will go to great lengths to satisfy those desires that battle within. And at the very further end of the spectrum, when we put ourselves at the center of the universe, man, we can go to great extremes. And we do this regardless of who we might hurt. At the height of our arrogance, at the height of our battle within, we, we resort not only to manipulating others, but also to manipulating God for our own self-centered gains. Verse 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So James 
is saying that we are so self-centered sometimes. We are so arrogant sometimes. We are so deluded. We are so at the center of our own universe that we sometimes even pray in an attempt to manipulate God. We pray to try to get God to help us fulfill those desires that we battle within. You ask God for success. Not so that it glorifies Him, but that it glorifies you. An answered prayer may help you get out of a jam that your battle within has caused. Or it may clean up some of the disorder that your envy, that your selfishness has caused. You pray for God to bless you financially because maybe you're drowning in debt. You can't afford that house payment now. You can't afford that new car. Not with all the credit card bills that are coming in. God, please help. I'll even tithe more money. God did not get you in financial trouble. God didn't tell us to buy new TVs. God didn't tell us to take family vacations that we know that we can't afford. I mean, if you ever get silent during prayer, I guarantee you never heard God tell you to buy something that you can't afford. And what a contrast. What a contrast this is to the way that Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. When we humbly ask, God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see the contrast there? The very next verse, verse 4, says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. You know, throughout the Old Testament, whenever God's people would wander from him, whenever they would follow a false god or put anything or put anyone at the center of the universe other than God, God called that sin adultery. And when James invokes this kind of language, he's trying to show us that living for those desires that battle within you, whether it's possessions, whether it's whether it's money, whatever it is, making them the focus of your life is spiritual adultery against the God who is the center of the universe. You are in conflict with that God. I mean, James is making it clear, no matter how self-deluded, no matter how arrogant we are, we are not the center of the universe. I am not the center of the universe. You are not the center of the universe. There is only one true center of the universe. This life is not about us getting everything we desire. It's not about our love for comfortable living or our love for the fine things of this world. It's not about that. It's about God. It's about God and it's about His love for us. It's about God, and it's about His plan for us. We're the ones that make everything about us. 
That's why the next verse in this chapter, verse 5 says, Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the Spirit He caused to live in us envies intensely? God is a jealous God. That's what that Scripture right there means. He doesn't want to compete for your attention. God is the center of the universe. He is the creator. We are His creation. And He wants to have our attention. I just got married a month ago. And I love my wife. I'm crazy about my wife. But do you think if she started showing inappropriate affection for another man that I'd be cool with that? Absolutely not. I'd be jealous because I'm crazy about her. And not because of some unhealthy, codependent type of thing, but because I'm crazy about her. God will not share you with anything or anyone. He won't. God is the center of the universe, and this world revolves around Him. 1 Timothy 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from their faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now that doesn't say money is bad. It says the love of money because it competes with God. When money has your heart, this is adultery according to God. And he gets jealous. And what say this causes? Grief. Luke 18, verse 24, Jesus says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Because our material possessions become what we base our happiness on. And that's where our heart is. When we put ourselves at the universe, where do we place God at? We kind of put Him in a corner. We shove them in over the corner over there. We pull them out when we need them. When life gets in a jam all of a sudden, we need to reach for God all of a sudden. We know where He's at. He's in the corner. God doesn't want to be in a corner. God's not going to be used as just a lifeline or an easy button. God wants your attention. He's not going to stay on the sidelines. And it's so easy. I mean, it is so easy to make life all about us. I mean, unfortunately, I do it often. Whether it's business stuff, ministry stuff, or playing in my band, I can easily in my head get sucked up into the whole I demand syndrome. And I think every one of us do it at times. And when we get stuck into these I demand or I woman moments, we just need small reminders to kind of bring us back down to earth a little bit. Made little reminders that maybe remind us that we haven't quite arrived like what we thought we have. Now this photo here is a Colts father and son camp. That is actually the marketing photo that they used to promote this camp. And that is a picture of me. Kind of seems like I'm the man now, huh? That was actually taken the year before when I had my son Ethan at that camp. 
I was attempting to kick a 10-yard field goal. I missed it by 15 yards. I almost hurt a young volunteer. And not only that, but the moment I kicked it, I mean the moment this picture was snapped, I threw my back out and hurt my ankle, and I was on the couch for a week. I couldn't walk. If you could actually blow that up, that grimace on my face is real. And then not only that, but there was a comment next to this picture on their site where someone wrote in, probably from his lazy boy in his underwear, he said, I'm sure this guy's a great father, but he doesn't appear to be much of an athlete. So I can pretend that I'm the man, but I mean, how deceptive would that really be? You know, we are deluded when we put ourselves at the center of the universe because the story going on in the universe is ultimately not about me. It's not about you. Here's the story about me, and this is the story about you. If we jump ahead to the last part of James, this is verse 14. James says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That's how significant you are. That's how significant I am. We are mists that appear for a little while and then we vanish. We're a tiny, minuscule, momentary blip on this whole timeline of eternity. I mean, life is so uncertain, and there's so many people in here that know this. You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away, but God is forever. God doesn't come and go like we do. He is from everlasting. He is to everlasting. God is the center of the universe. Now, once you discover that you're not the center of the universe, and once you finally get it pretty clear in your head who the center of the universe really is, then you're able to start getting centered in the universe. And that verse is James 4, verse 10. It says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. That's a powerful scripture right there. Let's all say it together. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Friends, you will never, you will never get centered in the universe. I will never get centered in the universe until we humble ourselves. And there's a couple aspects here that are very important. The first step in getting centered in the universe is to acknowledge your arrogance. Acknowledge your arrogance. It's so hard for most of us to admit that we don't have it all together. And that's pride working in us. Webster defines pride as the quality of being proud, inordinate or excessive self-esteem, thinking too much of yourself. Muhammad Ali was arguably the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. And when he was young, 
he didn't hesitate to remind us. I am the greatest, he would shout out. But one time, Ali was on a commercial flight. And prior to takeoff, the flight attendant reminded him to buckle up. Superman don't need no belt, he shouted out. The flight attendant shot back, Superman don't need no plane. That's pride. And it's a deadly sin. You know, a proud man, a proud man is always looking down on things. A proud person is always looking down on other people. And when you're always looking down, you don't see the things that are above you. We've got our plans. We've got our dreams in life. Man, we've got visions. We've got goals in life. But if you jump down to James chapter 4, verses 13 through 14, it says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. So what's missing? What's missing in those plans for the future when we say that we're going to do this? Or we say we're going to do that? Did you notice in those verses, there's no mention of God anywhere. I mean, where's your consideration of God in your plans? Where's your consideration of God in your family? In your relationships? In your marriages? Where's the consideration of God in the future? I mean, James is just cautioning us against making plans without first seeking God's opinions. I mean, goals are great to have, but they can disappoint us if we leave God out of them. God wants some say in the plans of His people. And if you put God's desire at the center of your planning, you will seldom ever be disappointed. You know, there's actually like a, a whole boasting thing that's going on in that verse. We will go. We will do business. We will make money. Notice what, it say, what James says about these words that come out of our mouths. In verse 16, it says, As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So we boast about tomorrow. We boast about our arrogant schemes without even mentioning God as a part of our plans. And in verse 6, James says, God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. I mean, I can think of many forces that I wouldn't want opposing me. I wouldn't want Mike Tyson opposing me in a boxing ring. Now this guy here, I'd drop him like a bad habit. But not that other guy. And I certainly would not want the God of the universe opposing me. I mean, those words are so clear in there. And throughout the Bible, you find that pride, pride is the one sin that invokes the wrath of God the most. 
So to humble yourself, you have to acknowledge your arrogance. Acknowledge your arrogance. And then sooner or later, the second thing you have to do to get centered in the universe is to fall on your knees in humility. You have to fall on your knees in humility. That's what these next verses are all about. Verses 7 through 8 said, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Truly humble people bow before God. When we're singing in worship, you often see people lifting their hands. And you ever wonder what's going on there? Lifting your hands is the international sign of surrender. When you're at war, you lift your hands to surrender. When people lift their hands in worship, they're saying, God, I surrender you. God, I submit to you. You are the potter, I am the clay. I surrender. Man, I wonder how many of us at times need to truly surrender. I wonder how many of us need to fall on our knees in humility. Jesus says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. If you want a quick crash course in humility, try resisting the devil without submitting to God and see how far you get with that. You think about your greatest temptation that you have in life. That one sin that trips you up, that you can barely resist that when you're at your spiritual best, much less when there's a storm in your life. Now you take away the power of God in your life. You take away the fuel of God's Word in your life. You take away the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You take away the relationships that you have with brothers and sisters in our family here. And see if you can resist the devil in your own strength. It's not going to happen. You can't do it. But James says, come near to God and He will come near to you. The closer you draw to God, the closer He draws to you. I just mentioned this a couple weeks ago when I taught last. You don't draw near to God by just coming to church once a week. God is a power source. You have to plug into Him. You need to read. You need to study His Word. You need to meditate on His power. A car gets nowhere without gas. Man, God is our fuel, and we need to continually in our lives keep refilling, filling up that tank. We fill up by reading the Bible. We fill up by doing devotionals. We fill up by being in our small groups. We need to continually refill because this life drains us. The things we go through, they drain us. Man, right here, the Word of God, the Bible... This recharges us. This is our power source. You cannot fight the battles of this life if your batteries are dead. 
You have no energy. You'll be weak. God is our strength. Come near to God and He will come near to you. And the closer you get to Him, the more you see yourself for who you really are. If you look at the end of verse 9, and also in, or the end of verse 8 and then into verse 9, if you're going to dread, you can't skip this part. It says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. When Peter, when Peter, who had followed Jesus for three years, when Peter, who had told Jesus that even if everyone else falls away and denies him, he never will. And when Peter, on that very night after he made that comment, and then he denied Jesus three times, the Bible says he went outside and he wept bitterly. So what was going on there? He was grieving. I mean, he was mourning. He was humbling himself. He was wailing over his own sin. He was admitting what a lousy God that he had made of his life. He was owning up to the fact that he is not the center of the universe. And in a moment of sorrow, in a moment of remorse and brokenness over his sin, he fell on his knees in humility. He raised his hand in surrender. The promise of James verse 10, chapter 4 verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. Peter humbled himself in that moment. And Peter became the rock that the church was built on. Jesus put it this way in Luke. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now it's one thing to say something. But it's a completely different to actually do it. And that's what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, humbled himself and took on human flesh. And what's so inspiring about this is that of all the people in history, he deserved to be exalted. Man, he deserved to have the seat of honor at the center of the universe. But he voluntarily stripped himself of his titles as owner 
and creator. He stripped himself of his position at the right hand of the Father in heaven. The one in honor of receiving the worship of the universe. And he became a naked little boy in a stable who needed sleep and was dependent upon the milk of a teenager. And he spent time that no one else would with lepers. And he fed the hungry. And he threw parties for the worst of sinners. And he washed the dirty feet of arrogant disciples. The center of the universe humbled himself. Maybe it's time for you to fall on your knees in humility. Maybe it's time for you to raise your hand in surrender. I mean, maybe life with you at the center of the universe isn't working out all that great for you. Maybe you're tired of the fighting. Man, you're tired of the struggling financially, relationally, addiction-wise. Two marriages in this church were put together, put back together this year. I don't mean separations. I mean divorces. Because four people humbled themselves, admitted that this life was not all about them. They drew near to God, and He drew near to them. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Imagine what God can do with your lives if you quit letting everything else compete for His attention. God will do things with you that you never thought was possible. I stood in this church eight years ago and I heard this man right here sing a song about surrender. And I raised my hand. I raised my hand in surrender at that moment. I stood five rows from the stage over there with alcohol in my breath. And I said, God is not about me anymore. It's about you. And as Isaac sang, I prayed to God to use me in whatever way he desired. Not me. The way he desired for me to be used. Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. I lost a marriage. I lost friends in my life. I submitted to God. And he took a high school dropout who had never read the Bible and sat me up on stage to preach his words. Is that a powerful God or what? Man, you will never, you will never know the true power of God until you surrender yourselves. You will never know what you are capable of doing for God until you surrender yourselves. 
Isaac is going to play this same song. Eight years later, at this same church, and my prayer is that this that there will be people in here that will remember this moment as the time that their lives actually changed. The moment that maybe, for the first time ever, said, it's not about me anymore, God. It's about you. You're the potter. I'm the clay. And I surrender. Giving you my heart and all that is within. I lay it all down for the sake of you, my King. Giving you my dream, laying down my right, giving up my pride for the promise of new
greatest form of surrender that we have. I mean, the greatest form of humility that we can have is to acknowledge that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was pierced for our inequities and our transgressions. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your life, if you have never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, I ask that you humble yourself today and you do so. Man, life is way too short. I ask that after I finish a closing prayer, everybody else will be leaving so it won't be anything uncomfortable. There's going to be a prayer team on both sides of the stage and I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right up here. I want you to come forward and I want you to make today the beginning of an incredible journey. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear God, we just thank you for this study of uh, amazing scripture. God, we thank you for showing us that this life isn't about us. It's about you. We thank you for being the God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. The God who shows us how to be centered in this short life. The God who shows us how to overcome our greed and our pride and our envy. To move past the struggles, move past the fighting, get past the disorder in our lives. The God who shows His power by exalting us when we humble ourselves. Thank you for showing us the way to find freedom. Freedom to be the person that you created us to be. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Know you're always loved in this place. Please come forward for prayer or that decision to make that one-time decision to get Christ in your life. See you next week.
watch for the weak and blessed The weary, bruised and broken took a sin Inside your wounds we hide away Inside your wounds we hide your space your 